Welcome to Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You, a podcast about everything you need to know about teens. I'm Kathy. And I'm Meredith. And we speak teenager. Uh, did we also mention that we're best friends? We've worked as admission officers, prep school administrators, and most importantly, have coached thousands of teens. In other words, we have seen it all. So join us every week as we give you the lowdown on all the shit your teenager isn't telling you. Because trust us, there's a lot of it. And if you don't know what to do with the teenagers in your life, don't worry. We've got your back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to yet another episode of Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You. And today, Kathy and I are very excited to address kind of a, a subject area that I think is short of how do I help my kid get into a good college? I think this is the one we get a lot, which is around how do I help my kid stay organized? How do I manage their time? I walk into the room, it looks like a bomb went off. So today we're going to talk all about helping your kid stay organized by providing about three to five sort of key strategies that all teens should employ. Kathy, Mm -hmm. you down? I'm down, girl. It always surprises me too when I, it comes second nature to us. We're like, uh, duh, obviously you need to use your Google calendar. And the, a number of children that I yeah. speak to are like, Google, Google calendar. <laughs> I'm like, well, how do you keep track of your stuff? I had a kid tell me, oh, I just set a reminder every time I have a, I'm like, mm-hmm. what? It's not, not planning. I'm like, what? Well, well, at least they set a reminder. I mean, I would say more often for me, I get, I just remember. Oh, like, that too. Oh, yes, that's of course. Not gonna work. I was like, do you just rely on your mind? That's not going to work. So many kids. So many, anyway, so many kids, right? So today, yeah, we're going to talk about time management, organization, why it matters. I mean, I think the why it matters is pretty obvious, but mostly it's to manage stress. It's to lead to great outcomes, right? With grades and performance and sports and all the things. So one of the biggest things that when a student comes to me as a new client, one of the first things that we spend, like maybe even our first meeting, one of the things that I love to talk about is routines and what are the routines that your child has? Because I think routines help all of us stay organized and regulated and able to meet our responsibilities. So Kathy, you jump in at any time, but for me, yes. I like to focus on what is the morning routine? What is the when I get home from school routine, mm-hmm. which is different from my evening routine, which is different from my bedtime routine. So I kind of have those four-ish categories mm-hmm. that I like to really focus on when I talk with students about staying organized. So Kathy, if you were to say a morning routine, if we were to like just sort of take a slice of that, what do you think makes for an effective morning routine that's going to help a kid start the day right? Well, good night sleep. So is that evening routine? That would be bedtime routine. <laughs> bedtime, yeah. I mean, bedtime routine. So yeah, every single teenager I speak with, whether they're 12 years old or 21 years old, which doesn't sound like a teenager, but they still are in many still ways. Are. They yeah. still are. So I'm like, how many hours of sleep are you getting? That's my first question, especially when they come to my meeting and they're all like, I feel so tired today. I'm like, oh, really? How many hours of sleep did you think do you get last night? Like six and a half, seven. I'm like, that's not enough, honey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you need at least eight, preferably nine. <laughs> totally. 
And they're always like, what? What do you mean? I only get six hours of sleep on average. I'm like, no, 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 that's not enough. So anyways, a good morning always starts with a good night sleep, first and foremost. I agree. Yes, I totally agree. One begets the other for sure. I think also in the morning, I think consistency is the name of the game. So even if a student has, you know, maybe different start times to school or they are Tuesdays look different than Thursdays. I think waking up at a consistent time is important. I really encourage parents to think about how their children are waking up. So first of all, if you have an adolescent and you are still physically walking into their room and waking them up, that's a problem. They need to learn how to wake themselves up. But sometimes students have they overly rely on their phone to be their alarm. So I really encourage families to like invest in an actual alarm clock because they do exist. They do. They do. In fact, still exist. I know. They, they still make them. All the number of kids who use their iPhones as alarms is really. Yeah. Cause it's too easy to hit snooze. It's too easy to get behind. Right. So like, what's the morning routine? Okay. We get up and actually in my meetings, I ask students to write it out. I'm like, okay, First alarm goes off. What are the five things you do next? Right. And what of those five things are good for you? It's like, oh, the first thing I do is I make my bed or the first thing I do is I brush my teeth or whatever. Like, and so we look at, so I think asking your children those questions first, what are the morning routines? And even looking at yourself in your own morning routine, right? And then the first thing I do, Meredith, when I wake up in the morning is look at my phone for half an hour. (laughs) Yeah. That's why you need an alarm clock and the phone can be somewhere farther away. Right? That's the key is so that children have to actually physically move and get out of bed in order to get access to their phone. That's going to save you a lot of hurt. They shouldn't have device. I mean, really, that's that's they shouldn't a, have their devices. In they shouldn't there. I mean, have they their don't device. Need. No, they don't need it. Like as we get to evening routine and bedtime routine, mm-hmm. I think one of the things you'll hear me and Kathy say a lot is like, great, have some time on your phone that you can relax and watch TikTok videos. We're not against that. But then that, that time comes to an end. It's not sort of indefinitely permeating the wee hours of the night and the phone goes somewhere else outside of your room. So you're not tempted to get on it and you'll your kid will just feel so much better. But okay, they get their morning routine. They go to school, rock in school. They come home from school. And it's not the evening, it's not bedtime, but it's the, I just got home from school moment. What do you think is makes for a good routine there? This is, I was actually just talking to a seventh grader about their homework routine, their after school routine that gets, leads into the homework routine. Mm-hmm. And she was like, it's so weird. I do homework. I don't have so much homework, but then I do it. I end up doing homework until like 1030. I'm like, why? And so we looked at her route after school routine and I was like, oh, there's lots of what I call futzing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Futz, futz, futz. I was like, oh, you're futzing because she's procrastinating. She doesn't want to do her homework. Doesn't sound fun. So, you know, watching for her, it's YouTube shorts <laughs> until all of her screen time's done with YouTube shorts. And then she gets on a computer. And when she starts her homework, she starts watching more YouTube shorts. And then before she knows it, it's dinner time and she hasn't mm-hmm. started her homework yet. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was, one of the things we talked about was, Okay, the routine so that we cut the futzing out, (laughs) right? What is the routine after school? You get a break for sure. You don't come home from school and immediately decide to do three hours of homework. Right. You need a break, right? right? Enjoy yourself. Get a snack. Go talk to some of your friends. Go say hi to your brother. Go outside for a walk. Cuddle your dog. Whatever the thing that you need to do is to feel re energized. And then For me, when I talk to kids, I'm like, have something that for you signifies that homework time has started. 
So what is that thing? You sit down at your desk, you take out your notebook, you open your computer, you open Schoology, whatever the thing is, you're like, and we have begun. <laughs> right. we have no, the fussing time is officially over and I have officially started. And I know in my head, for me, that has to be X o'clock, right? Whatever that time is for you. Right. Get your homework done in order to have time, your evening time and then bedtime routine for all of that to happen as well. Does that answer your question, Meredith? Yes. I would also add a couple of really simple, pragmatic things. I think Mm -hmm. it's good for kids to have like a landing spot when they get home. Mm -hmm. And so by that, I mean like, okay, this is where the shoes go. This is where I hang up my jacket. This is where my keys go if they're driving. Organization. The key to organization. Yes. Yeah. That there's predictability and some of this stuff becomes really automatic for them. Let's say they are home, but in two and a half hours, they have to go to tennis practice, right? Like there's the rackets and the bag are in the same place every day. And it's their job to like make sure that that's the case. So I think the more habituated that students can get to doing the same things, the better. And then I also think, yeah, I agree with everything you said about sort of the distractibility and sort of removing distractions. And students, when they, you know, when they first start doing it, they feel so much better because they end up having way more time in their day. I'm like, you can have actually way more time to talk to your friends, like way more time to like do fun things because you'll be more efficient when you're doing your homework. I know you're a big fan of different kinds of timers. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Look at my handy dandy timer that I have for those of you who can see us on video. Yeah, that is cool. This is my cool little study cube. And I always tell parents is make time real for your kids. So if you don't have any clocks in your house, like in their study space, maybe you should just hang a big old old school analog clock just ticking away, tick, 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 to remind them that time is actually passing. <laughs> it's interesting that. because Make we all real. use our phones for yeah. time, right? And yeah. We'll talk about limiting distractions in a minute, but, you know, I tell kids to not have their phones near them when they're working. It's not always realistic or possible, but anyways, they use their phones as watches. Like people don't wear watches anymore. We don't have clocks up in the house. Yeah. But I'm like, make time real. Let them see, like look up when they're like looking up, staring into space, being like, oh, dang, it's 730. (laughs) I've been doing this for way too long, right? The Pomodoro method. I talk about that a lot. You like it, the Pomodoro, mm-hmm. Meredith? You like mm-hmm. a Pomodoro? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's basically just studying in blocks. So you study for half an hour, you take a 10-minute break. You study for half an hour, you take a 10-minute break. Yeah. You know, whatever the thing – and the time intervals, I let kids decide what works for them. But breaks are important and rewarding yourself for working through a solid block of time is important. Right. Right? But timing your breaks is important too because the breaks – can lead into too much futzing again. So that's why I think timers are great until you get it. And I don't think timers are forever. For some people, it is. Like timers are super effective way of keeping them on task. I think for some kids, once they start getting a feel for like, oh, this is what half an hour of working feels like. This is what a 10-minute break feels like. Right. Once they get kind of a sense of that, they can stop using timers or if it really works for them, they can continue doing it. But the time piece is huge because I think a lot of kids just don't realize how much time they're losing. 
Yeah. I mean, you and I both do like a time, we kind of do a time study thing with kids where I I make kids track their time for a week. And then we sort of, and I introduce it in one meeting and then we sort of analyze it in the the next meeting. And it's a really, it's illuminating, you know, because kids just, they don't have, I totally agree with you. They don't often have a good sense of how much, how long they're really taking. They Mm -hmm. underestimate and overestimate pretty regularly. So that's kind of afternoon. Evening to me is about like an evening routine is really about connection and setting up, again, just consistency, regularity. Most humans do better with predictability, right? It's Mm -hmm. often how we just keep stress levels down. And this is, I think, where expectations in the home come in, is the expectation that we all have dinner together at the same time, is the expectation that before you go up to your room to chill for the rest of the night, certain chores need to be done. So making all of that really demonstrative and predictable and regular as much as possible helps young people, I think, stay focused. And part of what you're teaching them is multitasking. Yes, you have a lot of homework tonight, but that doesn't actually mean you're not going to sit and have dinner with us or you're not going to learn that like Mm -hmm. you you still need to empty the dishwasher, right? So Mm -hmm. part of what you're coaching children to do by supporting them in this sort of evening routine is to learn how to take care of competing priorities, which is, you know, like the stuff of life. So I think that's really important. And -hmm. then that leads me to like the, to me, evening routine, which is also like maybe homework, more homework, talking to friends, relaxing mm-hmm. with your family. That's a little different to me than like the bedtime routine. Mm-hmm. The bedtime routine for me is kind of the same as when kids are really little. Actually, there's lots of research to show that that it's really effective to wind down our nervous systems in sort of predictable ways, regardless of where you are, how old and, you are. Yes. I was just going to say adults. We're talking adults. to you, parents. So wind down to, routines. I'm talking to myself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Right? Well, the wind down routine with we give our teenagers such a hard time for being on their devices. But how many of us who are listening to this podcast right now, our wind down routines include falling into an Instagram hole for an hour and not going to bed. I have no idea what you're talking about. That's not what I do at all. I, you know what I'm doing lately that I don't like and is I can feel the difference. Oh, yeah. Like, because I'm, I'm like watching, I'm watching my programs in bed. I'm like, okay, oh, yeah. I'm like ready to go to sleep and I'm ready to be cozy in my bed. So I'll turn off my TV, but then I'll just bring the watch. laptop. Yeah. I'll just like yeah, bring the iPad, the laptop my phone or your phone. It, mm. But still, you know, it's a bad light and it's kind of keeping me stimulated and yeah. I know. So it's well, hard. It's we just it. like, I know it's so portable now, right? It's so accessible. So easy. Yeah. I it's know, super easy. So easy to do There's it. There's no so. barriers to access. So being mindful, being house. mindful of the things that are part of our wind down routine. Yeah. And like, so yeah. that could mean maybe your kids take showers at night instead of in the morning, or maybe there's some reading, you know, some of- reading happening. I think where teenagers are going to be tempted by a lot of things. So if you know, if like the whole house can kind of like mellow out a little bit around bedtime, that can help students feel more able to execute their bedtime routines. Because if they're expected to kind of wind down and like chill out, but you're still in the living room blasting the TV and there's like some cool like Warriors game on in the background, like they're going to want (laughs) to be a part of that, right? It's harder to resist. So I think this is a moment that could really be kind of a group effort. I think it's also stuff that you don't, you have to experiment with. You have to try things on for size, you know, light some candles, turn down the lights. I don't know, make it romantic, but it's, 
<laughs> I have started burning a lavender candle. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I, I also have a, have a, you have a, I have a pillow spray now that helps oh. me feel, yeah, it's like smells really good and helps me wind down. And I'm trying to listen to my oh. book or like read a book instead of being on my phone. This is my new thing. Like but you it. know what? Listening to a book puts me asleep in about 30 seconds. <laughs> well. My experience of having traveled with you for many years is that I know. you can fall asleep, I can fall asleep. <laughs> pretty easily, <laughs> unlike me. I know, I know. Okay, so that's routines. Let's talk. You mentioned at the start of this episode, you talked about our favorite thing, a Google calendar. The One Googs. Of my favorite things. The Googs. Oh, the Googs. It's just a part of life, everybody. Like, we just, just have to accept. Get a calendar. Just accept kids. it. <laughs> and just accept that the Google calendar is ubiquitous. When you go out into the world, yeah. people be using that Google Calendar. Your professors yeah. are going to send you stuff on Google Calendar. Your classmates, your boss, we just use Google Calendar. So the earlier you master the Google Calendar, the better. And that's how I convinced teenagers to use it. I'm like, listen, you're going to college in two years and everybody is going to be using Google Calendar. So get on it. And also, get you know, it. the whole working memory thing, using the working memory to remember everything you need to remember in your life. And then also, how to study for school. Like that's how you study for school is just working. I'm like, people, that's not how your brain works. So knock it off. Yeah, it's a, a limited resource. What a disaster that would be. Yeah. It's Can a you limited imagine, resource. Kathy, if I relied on my memory to get things done. No, I really Especially can't. Me. I know because your memory is not so good. And as I'm getting older, my memory is not what it used to be. For mm -hmm. sure. I have to write things down. I have to put things in my Google Calendar or else I will forget. And so I will show kids my Google Calendar as a sample and they'll be like, mm -hmm. whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. So many They're all appalled. They're like, so many colors. <laughs> <laughs> so many colors. So many things. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. So many colors. So many things. There's a lot of stuff going on in my life in different parts of my life. And you yeah. should – Play with the Google Calendar and make it work for you. And you might have a school planner that you're using concurrently. That's fine. I will admit when I was working in schools, because of our rotating schedule, I use the school planner more than I use my Google Calendar. I use my Google Calendar more for personal things and like holidays and big events for school. But I use my daily planner for school, like yeah. the, the written one much more, which is fine. So there's no judgment here around a system that works for you. But finding that system is really important. I have a little judgment. I do, do think it needs to be digital. <laughs> I do think kids need to start acclimating, even if they have a, well, like a yeah. physical planner. Like I do think they need to get into the habit of managing a digital calendar. Oh, sure, sure, That's sure. just the way the world works. Undoubtedly. Also, here's the thing. When I talk to kids about calendars. But what about bullet journaling, Meredith? How do you feel about, about that? <laughs> the, people love the bujo. It's old school. It works for some people. I'm just saying. It works for some people. I think that works. Yeah. I mean, I just think that we, you and I are in the business of preparing students for the world they're going to enter. And so, you know, someone, you kinda have when to you're do, in your job, they're going to send you a Google count meeting invite. You need to know how to do that. You have to, yeah, you have to be well-versed in using Google Calendar and familiar and comfortable with using it, undoubtedly. Yeah. If it's, I'm just, I'm simply saying if for some kids, there's a companion <laughs> companion process that works. Resource. Yeah. I think like differentiation, obviously not everybody processes information in the same way or with the same, you know, different modalities work better for some than others. And I think it's just a fact of life that it's more likely the case that when they're in their first job, 
how time will be managed in that professional setting is not someone calling or emailing you to find a time to meet. I wanted to go back to calendars though, because I think one of the things that I notice when I work with students, I often ask them, well, what should go on a calendar? And they're like, deadlines. That's one of the things, but there are other things. So I think Mm -hmm. parents, if you're working with your students or your children, don't assume they know what should go on a calendar. So things that I encourage, the sort of categories of things that I encourage students to think about are appointments, right? Events, appointments. Oh, we have brunch with grandma on Sunday. I have a dentist appointment on Tuesday. Meetings. I have a meeting with my teacher. I need to meet my student club meeting. Things that happen regularly. Practices go on Mm -hmm. there. Deadlines, of course, you know, English essays due next Friday. But, and this is the really important thing, and this is part of routine, when am I blocking out time to work on meeting that deadline for that English essay? So, okay, English essays due next Friday. I think it's going to take me three hours to finish this thing. Mm -hmm. I'm going to block off those three hours either in one chunk or intermittently. That is so critical because that is how students begin to learn about themselves as learners. They begin to understand, oh, I'm not a kid that likes to work three hours straight. I actually like to work in chunks of a half an hour over five days, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that is something that's really important for students to, one, get in the habit of blocking out time to meet academic deadlines, and two, getting in the habit of keeping that sacrosanct. So you treat that time in the same way that you would treat going to the doctor, right? Like it's just, that is what I am doing during that time. I think that's super important. So I usually, and this is a good experiment you can run at home. I usually ask students, so I sort of explain this with students and then I show them my calendar as an example. And then when we're in our meeting, I ask them, okay, so let's just look at this coming week from, you know, if we're meeting on a Tuesday, Tuesday to Tuesday, and I have them write down everything they can think of on their calendar. And then we kind of A week goes by and we evaluate it. Okay, like, what did you notice? You blocked off an hour to study for math. Did you take all of that time? Do you only need a half an hour? And then sort of after doing that for a couple of weeks in a row, they start to get much better at, one, managing their calendar, but two, being more efficient with their time. Yeah, it's helping them notice. Mm -hmm. Mindful. Yeah, being mindful. And I think a lot of kids don't stop to reflect. They put, they block out the time. They actually don't stick with their plan. But even that, when they don't stick with their plan, right? It's useful to, it's useful information to know why you didn't stick with your plan. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was too exhausted because I came home from volleyball. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, so that's, that wasn't a good time. What would be a better time next week to set aside for doing this thing, right? So it is a work in progress. So it's okay if they block off time and it doesn't work right away. It does take time for kids to figure out what works for them. Yeah, they have to experiment a little, I think, especially if they're not used to using a calendar as robustly as we are suggesting. Right. Or even just planning out their time. I think a lot of kids don't. They're just like, oh, yeah, when I have time, when I think of it, I'll do it. Right? Totally. Or when when it's an hour before the deadline, I'll do it. (laughs) That's the other option. (laughs) <laughs> this is a great opportunity for parents to share their strategies and tips you say, or to show them your calendar if you're someone who keeps a calendar or if you're someone who also recognizes, yeah, I kind of need to actually be a little more organized in this way too. do it with your kid. You know, oh, we're going to work. We're going to look at the week together and plan it together and then like evaluate it together. And then you have a little oomph on the table for them. So that can right. be like a shared activity. Right, right. Do we talk about to-do items? The to-do list. Such a joy. I have a funky process of to-do listing. You have a funky, a funky process for to-do lists? Yeah, you ready? I'm dying to hear it. Okay, so I used to make to-do lists like a laundry list of things 
that I would just check out. And it was just, it could be something super urgent and something that would be nice to get done today, but it would all be in the same. There'd be no sort of like delineation between urgency, priority, et cetera. Yep. So then I was reading this, I was reading about to-do lists because I was working with a student who was really disorganized, like really Mm -hmm. profoundly disorganized. And I had sort of talked to him about to-do lists, but I felt like what I was sharing wasn't really effective. And I stumbled upon this method that I think is really proven to be pretty effective. And this is part of routine. So at a predictable time, every single, basically every day you make a to-do list and every week you make a to-do list. Mm -hmm. So you let's start with the weekly to-do list. The weekly to-do list happens at the same time, same day, every single week. Let's say Sunday morning for the week ahead. There are no more than five items on this to-do list for the week. Mm -hmm. And you can use like a ranking system. I use one, three, and five. Mm -hmm. You write your five items. It doesn't have to be five. It could be three, but no more than five. And then you go over that list of five items and you assign them numbers. Is this a one, a three, or a five? A one item must get done that week. It is highly time sensitive. Bad shit's going to happen if you don't get it done. It's got to get done that week. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A three item is like, this is moderately urgent. It would be inconvenient for it to not happen this week, but like we could maybe eke out a day or two. And a five item is a nice to have, would be really great to like get done this week, but it's okay. It can keep, right? Mm -hmm. So then you've got these big ticket items. So these are big picture things for the week. You're then subsequently, you're creating also a daily to-do list. The daily to-do list, again, same principles apply. No more than five, one, three, five rankings. And those are really about cross-referencing against your weekly to-do list to make sure that your smaller daily to-do lists are in service of those number one items on your weekly to-do list. Does that make sense? Sort of. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's complicated. It's complicated, but in the beginning, yeah. Yeah. Kids actually, I was surprised how kids have responded to it because it's really simple. So I'll be like, okay, Monday, what's your to-do list for Monday? And they'll give me their to-do list and they rank it. It's like, so study for Spanish test tomorrow for half an hour, right? Like, and that gets a one because the Spanish test is literally the next day. Like it has to happen tonight or, or they're not going to be prepared for the Spanish test. And then we talk about it. It doesn't have to look like that. Feel free to riff on that. But the point, what I think is good about that structure is one, it's structured. Two, it happens at predictable times. That's part of the routine building. So like for me, every time I sit down before work and I work mostly from home, I like make my cup of coffee. I sit down with my cup of coffee before I get on my email and make my to-do list for the day. That's my routine, right? That Mm -hmm. works for me. So predictable time predictable format. It's the same thing. Predictable place. It happens. Like I have a little yellow notebook that I, for some reason for me, I have to have a digital calendar. I cannot have a digital to-do list. I don't know why. So (laughs) mine is old school. And there's some prioritization because not everything is equally urgent. And so part of what you're training students to do is to be thoughtful about urgency. What is really urgent? What is moderately urgent? What is less urgent and can wait so that they can learn to prioritize. It's interesting you say that because I actually have a very similar system to you, but I just bought these cards that say today and it's a list. Oh, I like that. And then there's a card that says next. And then there's a card that says someday. (laughs) Perfect. I love that. There's like three cards and I can pick, you know, like today, here are all the things I need to do. And 
to be honest, I've fallen off my system, but I would have noticed that I was much more productive when I was using my system. Like I was like, oh, these are all the things I have to do. And these days my to-do list live on a post-it note, which is my go-to. I love post-it mm-hmm. notes and they make me remember to do stuff. I tell kids all the time, like if you're a visual person and you need to put mm-hmm. things in front of your face in order to remember to do it, mm-hmm. that's fine. Mm-hmm. And I also have kids who use digital tools, like they'll use a Trello board or they'll use yeah. other tools to help them. apps that have to do lists, right? You a know. bazillion different apps out there. So finding the thing that works for you is super important. But I think Meredith makes an important point, which is one of the things that you want to help your kids do is prioritize because- not everything is equally important. And just because you don't want to do something doesn't mean it's not important. And that's something I tell kids all the time, which is mm-hmm. just because you don't want to do it doesn't mean <laughs> it's not important, right? right? right. So this goes back to a real quick homework tip too. Like when we're talking about spaces and routines, one of the things that I tell students as part of their homework routine is that they should do the hardest thing first. Yeah, that's a good tip. What I'll notice for a lot of students, so for example, my 12-year-old who I'm working with right now, she hates doing math homework. Every night, she does homework last at 10 p.m. Mm -hmm. because she's procrastinated it to the last possible moment before she needs to get ready for bed. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And guess what that makes her day feel like? Crappy? Yeah. Sleepy? She's miserable. (laughs) Sleepy and tired? Yeah, she's just like miserable working up to that. Yeah, I was going to say, like, the evening of, like, knowing that that, like, right, just looming over you. Looms large over your entire (laughs) evening. That's such good 12-year-old logic, though, you know? Right, right. Like, I don't want to do this. I'm just going to do it last. Get the crappy stuff out of the way first. You'll feel so much better. So I told her, I was like, this week you're going to do your math homework first. You're just going to try it, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Try it for a week and tell me what you think. And then she was like, you know what? After I did do my math homework first, and you know what? I felt like after I finished my math homework, I was like, wow, I'm done with homework. (laughs) Yes. So much relief probably, right? Like, oh, yeah. So anyways, I don't know if you tell your kids this, they'll listen to you, but that's what they should do. Make them listen to this episode. Yeah. I'm wondering, I'm channeling parents who are listening to this episode, and I'm trying to imagine some of them are saying. That's nice, Meredith. That's nice, Kathy. But <laughs> I can't get my kids to do that. My kids aren't going to do that. And here's how I frame it. Because don't be mistaken, Kathy and I encounter plenty of resistance when we suggest these things. Many an eye roll is directed our way. I usually try to like really encourage students to think of it scientifically. I'm like, let's pretend you're an anthropologist in your own sort of life. And let's do this for two days. Let's do this for three days. Let's do this for one week. Make it really brief and short. And acknowledge that they could always go back to their system that doesn't work. And we all know that it doesn't work, but they're really attached to it only because they've been doing it. So if you frame it as an experiment and you frame it as kind of an intellectual exercise in determining what could work or it doesn't work and there's no preferred outcome in mind in advance, most kids will try it for a couple of days at least for sure and invariably they notice that they feel better and they're like oh maybe i should, like, I should yeah, do my math homework first it's like maybe having a calendar is helpful yeah <laughs> duh. yeah duh right <laughs> the other thing i wanted to say about routines too is the actual space that your child mm-hmm. is working in mm-hmm. 
I don't know if that fits under routines, but I think it does, right? It's like, mm -hmm. what does your, what is the space that you go to every day to work? And a lot of students work in their bedrooms, which I can work for some kids. I don't think it's a great idea for many students, especially if you have a kid who is behind on assignments, is disorganized, who you notice loses things a lot and is taking very long to finish assignments when they're working in a bedroom with the door closed. Probably not a great, a little too much independence, perhaps, mm -hmm. that they need to be working in a more public space where you can keep an eye on things if you're able to be home with them or where it's a quiet space that's not their bedroom but is clean and organized. I think that's a big thing for a lot of students is that their study spaces are actually quite messy. Like we'll do a home visit and we'll go see a student's homework situation and we'll be like, mm, this space would be hard for me to get work done in. But Kathy, I know where everything is. Yeah, I think that you don't. And <laughs> maybe, I mean, like maybe you do, but any, for kids who struggle with getting work done, any barrier to getting that work done is just multiplied by 10, right? Yeah. It's yeah. like you want things easily accessible. You want that big ass whiteboard right yeah. in front of your face to be like, these things are due. I have to bring this permission slip to school tomorrow. <laughs> like right. the things that need to get done need to be in front of your face. And the things that you need to get your work done need to be really accessible and easy to find. And that also goes to an organized backpack. I mean, we could do a whole episode on backpacks, but mm -hmm. your space, right? If you have a kid who pulls out their backpack and it's just like, papers. Papers flying. <laughs> and yeah, and just like scrunched up things at the bottom that have been from three years ago. Like that kid is going to have a hard time being successful Yeah, because it's just too hard to even start. Like where is that worksheet? I don't know. Where are your test corrections? Well, the test is, I don't know where I put that test, right? You're bringing up something that I think is important that I've run into, which is sometimes we have some bias over how things should look. Yeah. And I think the point that I want to make sure people are picking up is that neat and tidy and organized will alleviate stress and help increase the probability of getting things done in yeah. efficient and strong ways. But I think parents, it's important to kind of be open-minded about the tool because for some students, I was talking with, the, this is up for me because I was talking to this parent the other day who was really frustrated by their kid's lack of organization and they're accustomed to, they were sort of, you know, they're like, I don't understand why they don't have notebooks and I don't understand this and I don't understand that. And I was like, yeah, because they like to take notes on their computer. And so actually the kind of organization we need mm -hmm. to do is really about like organizing their Google Drive and helping them think through folders. And this parent was really sort of convinced that a more old school kind of binder notebook approach would be better for their child. Mm -hmm. And maybe, I don't know. But I think parents, just a just a little caveat here is like, be open to the fact that students, first of all, technology has changed since you were in school and the way that people retain and record information, learning platforms has changed. And so that might mean that there are certain, certain systems that you're less familiar with. Those could be the best systems for your child. You don't know that yet. Just know that there just needs to be a system, I think is the main point. Yeah. A system that works for your kid. I don't have kids who have the exact system. Mm -hmm. 
I don't teach the same. We teach the yeah. same principles and we let kids figure out a system right. that really works for them. Right. And they got to try out a bunch of different things to figure out what's actually going to work with them. Work Except for them. relying on your memory. That's not a system. That's, <laughs> that's not actually a system. Thank you for clarifying. No problem. <laughs> we've talked about routines. We've talked about calendars. We've talked about to-do lists. We've talked about sort of spatial organization. Yeah. We're almost out of time. So the last point that I will make, which Meredith and I do ad nauseum with kids, is we ask them to limit their distractions. This is a super hard one, and we could probably do a whole episode on the different tools that you can use to help your kids limit their distractions. But if I know kids, they're pretty smart, and they can get around a lot of parental oversight, right? So starting that young I think that's really important, setting the expectations and being clear about when you're doing homework, you're not going to have your phone, or when you're doing homework, you're going to do it in this space where we can see what's going on and where it's quiet and it's not your bedroom, right? So so doing that really early on is helpful because I feel like once you you get a sophomore or junior in high school and you're like, you know what? You're not going to study in your room anymore. Ooh, it's hard. But that's part of limiting distractions because when they're yeah. kind of left to their own literal devices, they are on their devices. Yeah. Right. And how do we do that? And there's different apps and things that can help with limiting distractions. But what I tell kids, I'll go back to the tool, which I tell kids is you need to time yourself. Mm -hmm. You are allowed to have breaks. You need to notice how long things take and how long Mm -hmm. your breaks take. Mm -hmm. Do you have thoughts about limiting distractions? Yeah, I think space. I think this speaks to your other point about sort of spatial organization. I think what, you know, it's like, just don't borrow trouble. But the problem is kids don't always have the maturity or the long-term planning abilities to recognize there's a lot of like, oh, it's just five minutes, just 10 minutes. It's just this, it's just that. It's just, oh, it's just like talking to my friends. Oh, I'm talking to my friends about homework yeah. 10% of the time that I'm talking to them. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's just, again, experimentation, giving things a try, and then engaging them in self-reflection. Okay, how did that, well, what did you notice? What was the difference between when you did your homework out here versus in your room? Or what was the difference when you didn't have your phone for the time that you were writing your essay? Like, what was the difference when you were listening to music or not listening to music? And I think it's important for parents to be flexible because, you know, some people like to study in total quiet. Other students, that's really hard for them. They need some ambient noise. Mm-hmm. So I think sort of just engaging in a lot of question asking, open-ended question asking is important. And yeah. Then, yeah. And I would say, and I would also say lack of willpower is not a character flaw, right? Willpower is a limited resource. Judging that yeah. Is not going to, yeah. Is they're not helpful. Muscle. Yeah. And it's for a lot of kids, they're just like, I'm so lazy. Like they've already labeled themselves, right? Mm. Like, I'm so lazy. I'm so distracted all the time. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm just like, you know, I don't think you're lazy. I don't think you have all the tools you need. You haven't discovered them all yet. And you have, you don't have all the skills yet. Right. And it's a work in progress. So I think the more that you can yeah. help your kids find the tools, develop the skills. Right. With empathy and not judgment, it will be really helpful to help them actually to help them discover the things that work for them. I love it. I think that is a great point to end on. Thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You. And we hope that this provided you with some tips and tricks to help your kids be a little more organized and put together. <laughs> See you next time. Bye.